Welcome to episode 64 of Monday State of Mind. My name is Michael Mazel, and I'm the Director of Alumni and Recovery Support Services for the Harmony Foundation. As you know, for you seasoned listeners, we are in the middle of July. We are on our theme of the gifts of sobriety and what they do for our state of mind. And we already kicked it off with an amazing guest. And the second guest that I have on to talk about this, I was literally just uh, sharing with him and Christy before we started recording. When I thought of this topic, I thought of you. You are the gift of sobriety. You are exactly what happens to people when they choose to suit up and show up and just dive in to their recovery like their life depends on it because it does. It really does. This man just really just strums my heartstrings. He is powerful. What I love about him is he is quiet. He's like that dark horse. And I love it because his humility, I think is what really brings him the success that he has had so far in his journey to recovery. Before I let this amazing human introduce himself, I do want to let all of you know, if this is your first episode of tuning into Monday State of Mind, after you listen to it, Go on back to episode one and take those five minutes that that episode consists of to get to know me, yours truly, Michael, aka Hurricane of Happiness, a little bit better, okay? (laughs) (sighs) So get present, get excited for this human. So who do I have the pleasure of having on Monday State of Mind today? (laughs) Hurricane of Happiness, that's great. I gotta get it on name like that. That My name is Darren Valdez. I am now the executive director and founder of an organization called Colorado Artists in Recovery. It's a nonprofit 501c3 recovery community that had the idea for it a few years back, but it just really got started here in January of 2021. I'm many things, I guess. Uh, In my last seven years of recovery, I got sober in 2014 on January 2nd, and I needed one extra day to kind of make up my mind but um I've had many titles since then which is good because they're all good titles and they're not bad titles anymore I love it Darren Valdez I don't even know where to start because I could talk to you about this for hours but you guys will keep it short well maybe not too short gifts of sobriety right Darren yes when I pre when (laughs) when I previewed this theme to start off July I shared on my other episode with Sarah Beth Caldwell I was like for me what I thought of immediately were the promises that our big book, the Alcoholics Anonymous talks about, but I want to ask you, and then Sarah Beth went on to say like her, the gifts of her sobriety or being present and just being grateful for the little things, you know, and so much more, you know, she dropped some pretty interesting um, knowledge bombs as well. And so I just want to ask you, Darren, cause I just get lit from the inside out when I'm just, just seeing you and just knowing your story and knowing where you've come from. When I say the gifts of sobriety, what comes to your mind? What does that mean to you? First of all, I want to say that there's, there's gifts of sobriety is a, uh, there's, there's things that have come along lately that have got, got me a lot of notoriety and, and things that, that I think other people think are really special, but the gifts of sobriety for me goes straight to my family every single time. 
a little bit about my story. You know, I was homeless for over seven years living on the streets of Denver. I'm from a big family. I have uh, nine younger brothers and sisters, um, a wonderful family. I didn't have any real troubles when I was growing up. Addiction just kind of grabbed me after college. Instead of getting like a real job, I started working in bars and things like that. And it, I was a heavy drinker and then got into cocaine and that just took me into a different path. And then I got into meth, which took me into the homeless path. I ran away from all the things that I loved, And for me, that was my family and my friends. It was the shame that came upon me that, that I was now a drug addict and I couldn't be around people that I love. I couldn't show my face around them. I had to get high and I had to make the choice of either my friends and family or my addiction. And um, it took me out of the streets of Denver, living on the streets of Denver for seven years up in Capitol Hill, you know, dumpster diving and living behind dumpsters and sneaking into buildings to stay warm. And I'm a college graduate, University of Colorado Business School, now sleeping in the alleys of Denver, pulling Pizza Hut pizzas out <laughs> to, to eat. So when I think of the gifts of sobriety, at first, when I came off the streets and we were able to find a treatment center that would accept me, it was uh, having a pillow and having a bed to call my own, having a place to put my clothes where people wouldn't steal them, having a hot meal, being able to have conversations with people that didn't have anything to do with drugs or alcohol, finding community, having people listen to me. I think the first gift I ever got of sobriety was sitting in our phase one, our first 30 days of treatment. And I was really didn't trust anybody. And my brain was pretty messed up from meth. It was really hard to trust anybody. And I had a counselor and, and the people in my group, in my phase one group, were just so loving and they would listen to me and they would, they would say beautiful things to me like, Darren, that was so beautiful or that must have been really hard. Or, and that was the first gift I ever got was feeling of inclusion and in humanity because I was just that guy on the corner that no one would talk to. So that was the first gift. The second gift was finding a sponsor in uh, the treatment center. He was a chef in, in the treatment center. And I kept hearing these people say, find somebody that has something you want. And this guy was so happy all the time. He just, he was smiling and he would make jokes. And his name was Gabe. He was the cook in the sobriety house. And every time I saw him, he'd give me a hug and just say, I love you. And I was like, that's my guy right there. That's what I want because I spent so much time away from human beings any meaningful relationships with people that I just wanted what he had. He just looked so happy and he just looked so joyful. So I asked him to be my sponsor. So that was the second gift of sobriety is, is getting back my dignity, my humanity. Then I was doing the steps with him. I worked in the treatment center as a cook. Got my first job after seven years, finally as a cook in the, in the sobriety house. And I got to make food for people and I only burned the bacon like four times. So that's not bad. <laughs> inspire me. And so I had a purpose. I had, I got to make meals for everybody and that really did a number on me. I think my higher power has given me little pieces of my life back at a time. I saw a lot of people in treatment, they got their apartments and they got cars and they got girlfriends and they got all this stuff really fast. And they all gave it back so fast. Like they would be back in a couple months later. And I pointed that out to my sponsor and he goes, yeah, I think your higher power has a, has a real special plan for you. You're going to get a little piece of the time and you're going to have to earn every single piece because you're never going to give it back after that. And he was right. Like it was hard. I washed a lot of dishes, 
cooked a lot of meals. It's going to 15 meetings a day because, you know, I would go to York Street, which is a, I think, I'm not sure if everybody in your crowd knows York Street's a clubhouse. And I would go there and everybody there was just so happy. And they were, hey, do you want to go have lunch? Do you want to go do this? And for me, who was starving for human affection, love, that was what I absolutely needed. So I had a community now and I had a purpose and a place in that community. You know, I got to make coffee. I got to chair meetings. I felt like I was part of something. Those are the biggest gifts of sobriety so far. But in essence, after I did the steps, I was able to make amends with all my family members. Um, and they were real amends. It took me about nine months to get to my amends process. But there were things like when I was right after my fourth step, my brother called me, my younger brother, and he had just had a baby. I was so nervous because he called me. He said, I, Darren, I hadn't talked to him in eight years. And he said, Darren, I just, me and my wife, we just had a baby. Will you come see her? And I was so excited, but I had to take the bus that was up in Thornton from downtown Denver. And I had to take the number 12 bus. And the 12 bus went by all the places I used to get drugged from and all the bad places. And I was terrified. And I called my sponsor and he stayed on the phone with me the whole time. And I got there and I was, I was 158 days sober, I think. And I got to the hospital and I, I, did, I, I walked in front of the hospital like, I can't do this. I'm, I'm ashamed. I'm missing teeth. I, I look horrible. What's he going to think? What if the baby doesn't even like me? You know, all these crazy thoughts. And I walked in and the first thing he did was hand me that baby and before he even said hello. And she was so tiny and she smelled so good. I mean, just the most wonderful smell. And she grabbed her little hand around my thumb and I sat and I held her for like a couple hours. And I caught up with my little brother. And there was something about that moment in particular that really kind of, I walked out of that and I had just got done with my four step and I felt clean. Like nothing I had done over the last eight years, all the bad stuff, it was, it had been washed away with that little baby's hand. And I just made a promise that whatever I got to do, I'm, I'm in. Whatever the spiritual path that these people are talking about or whatever I got to do, whatever my counselor says, whatever I got to do, I'm going to do. Things just started happening piece by piece. I got my life back. And then when I went to my mom and dad and I made amends with them and it was just the right time. And I learned so much about them that I never knew. You know, I was always kind of looking at the world, like how, how it affects me. But I never really thought about what it was like to, for them to grow up. You know, my dad grew up in this hugely alcoholic family where my grandfather used to beat him. The one resentment I had against my dad was he was very religious. He was very, like, very, very religious. He was very judgmental. When I did my amends with him, he told me about when he was a child. My grandfather used to come home and beat them. And the only place they could go where my grandfather would beat them at when he was in his alcoholic rage was the church. So the only place he ever felt safe was the church. So we said, Darren, the reason I, I, I talk about this so much is because, you know, that's safety to me. That's, that's a safe life. If you live a religious life, it's a safe place. And I saw him as a little child, just, just like me. And something shifted. And something just said, hey, Darren, this life is not about you. It's about your place in this world. You're no lesser than or greater than anyone, but you do have a role. Now me and my dad, our relationship is beautiful. You know, we don't always agree, but we respect each other. We, we say, I love you. We hug each other. That never happened in 42 years.
my sisters and my little sisters and my little brothers, they look up to me now. They ask me for advice, which is crazy. These are the real gifts that I've gotten back. And these are the things that mean the most to me. I'm like getting all weepy over here, Darren Valdez. This is, this is why you guys is here. And it's because it's listening to you talk. It's so visceral. You like paint this picture. You just took me and everybody listening on, on your journey. And it's so simple, but these simple things are huge. And some of the things that really stuck out to me that you said were like a gift was a warm bed, humanity and inclusion, having a sponsor, meaningful relationships, dignity, having your first job. And those things to some people that may not be in addiction, you guys may not, like they may not totally get it, but after listening to you, I'm sure some of you get it. These are things that we don't have and our active addiction takes away from us. We don't get these things, but you took the opportunity to get them back and you continue to take those opportunities and capitalize them on a daily basis. It's inspiring. And so I sit here and as I hear you share these gifts, almost like your storytelling, when you think about your state of mind, as we talk about how Monday state of mind is all about, like, what does it do for our state, our being? What does getting these gifts of sobriety, what does it do for your overall state of mind, Darren, on a daily basis? Yeah. I think the most powerful lesson I've learned is that how to forgive myself. You come in and you feel a lot of shame and time lost. And how could I do this to myself? 20 years I've had, I gave away you know, where I didn't chase anything worthwhile. And that's why I think it's so hard to get sober is because you have this backpack of shame that you wear. What I learned in getting all these things back and it's like all these gifts have been shined up. Every relationship has shined up. It's even better than it was ever in my life. Almost like going through what I went through is necessary for my soul to realize the true gifts of life. And, and I needed that. You know, little things like six months into into sobriety, I got a scholarship to go to uh, Emily Griffith's school to go back to school. And it was, I was taking a video production class and at the school, they had, you know, brand new computers and offices and, and equipment and all this kind of stuff, a studio, everything. And they gave me a key. They gave me a key to access everything. And that was a shock to me because I was a tweaker. You don't give a tweaker a key to anything, <laughs> you know, and, and oh. I had a full run of the place, all these expensive cameras and computer equipment and, and everything that really meant a lot to me. And then soon after at sobriety house, they gave me a, a job as a house manager and they gave me an apartment because they trusted me. I was a man of integrity. I, I did what I said I was going to do. And then they gave me keys to the whole treatment center. <laughs> I mean, I literally had like 20 keys and it was my responsibility to lock everything up and make sure everything was safe. And I mean, this is in a year's time that, that I got the trust of everyone back. And all I did was follow instructions. I just did what I was going to say I was going to do. People kept telling me, if you, if you just follow these steps, if you keep just follow these, these simple tools, that you will get everything in your life back. And so... What that did for my state of mind is it started helping me release that shame. It had started letting me believe that these people were actually, they weren't just doing this to be nice. They did it because that's who they saw. 
And if they can see that in me, maybe I can too. That takes a little bit longer, but that's what it did for me. They reflected the man that I've always wanted to be. And they kept reflecting that to me, that you are that man now. And it started to seep in. So then when people started giving me compliments, I didn't have to look away and say, yeah, but you don't really know who I am because you wouldn't say that if you really knew who I was. Instead, I was saying, you know what, you're right. And, and I appreciate that. Thank you. It's a lot of work to get that integrity back. But once you do, and the trust in other people, it's uh, something you never want to give away. Gary, you are moving me. I knew you, but I feel like every time I hear you speak, you just are so soulful about it. And it's because I feel like you really understand. And that's, I think, is the coolest gift that I just really want to touch on real quick too, is people like yourself who were at where you were, like in the depths, like incomprehensible demoralization of life. And then now you're at where you're at in recovery, which is so amazing. Like I said in the beginning, you guys, there's that humility aspect of you that is so attractive. And like, that's it. That's what draws me to you is just how humble you are. You remain teachable. And I just would love for you to share on that a little bit, what that gift of humility, that gift of teachability continues to do for you. Humility is just basically remaining teachable, right? Um, yes, yeah, I'm teachable. Knowing, knowing that you do not know all the answers. And, and one thing pitiful and incomprehensible demoralization will do for you is it will teach you that you absolutely don't know shit. You're screwed. So you better get teachable or life's going to be really, really hard. I didn't want to get sober when I got sober. I was freezing to death. I was living outside and, and I had burned all the bridges that I had and I'm sleeping out in the snow and being covered up in snow. And that, that made me teachable. Right? They gave me a little bit of humility enough to at least to ask for help. And then I really latched into the, the idea that in the beginning, they kept talking about higher power and the higher power would save you. And I, and I thought, you're taught, I know this code word, it's code word for God. And you guys aren't trying to get one over on because I know that's a word for God. And if you were taught the things about God that I was taught, then God has given up on me a long time ago. So don't come at me with that. And then my sponsor said that I was absolutely wrong. And then I could actually start a whole new relationship with this thing called a higher power. And all I had to do was, he had me actually physically go outside and yell out into the sky, to the universe. He says, I don't know what the hell he's talking about, but could you please help me? And things started happening. I always tell people, like, what immediately happened was a bus went by and it said on the side of the bus, it said, you see, it works. <laughs> it literally no. happened. And I thought that was funny, but the next morning... I was standing outside having a cigarette in the back in the parking lot of the uh, treatment center. And there were these pigeons that would land on the little, the phone lines that were out back there. And there'd be like four or five of them, you know, and that morning, like a hundred of them came and they didn't land on the pole. They just kept flying around and they kept lowering down. And they went right above my head and something happened. Like I can't explain it, but something inside me, I got goosebumps and, and this energy went through me and this knowing inside of me says, I got you. I got you. And uh, when you feel that, you know, 
and the universe will reveal things to you slowly. And it seems like it's talking to you and you're like, oh my gosh, this is real. This is absolutely real. And, and every day, something new would be revealed to me, something new. And in the beginning, they were really powerful messages. And then they started coming through the people in the groups. And then they started coming in opportunities. And then they started coming in things like writing, when you write your gratitude list, having honest things like, I saw this woman smile at me today. And that was a woman that used to like cross the street when she'd see someone like me. And now she was smiling and saying hi. Little things like that. That are messages from the universe saying, you're on the right path, keep going. You know, and uh, if you just open your mind to it, going to sit by the river at the Platte River, I would sit there and I would listen to that water come down from the, there was a little waterfall and it was such a peaceful place. And my sponsor said, find somewhere peaceful that you could just not think. And I'd put my feet in the water and, and, and just sit there. And in treatment, we watched a movie called Castaway. And in the movie Castaway, there was a, there was a ball called Wilson. Right. And that was his buddy. And that was, that was what kept him going. That's what kept him alive. And I'm sitting there meditating with my feet in the water. Something touches my leg. And I was like, what is that? And it was a little tennis ball. And I turn it over and it says Wilson. And I <laughs> like, oh my gosh. But little things like that, my mind was open to. And, and you see these little signs every day if you really, really focus on them. I'm sorry, I got a little off track, but that's kind no. of. You nailed it. And nowadays it's in people, people I can help. I literally will sit across the desk from people that were just like me. They are like scary reminders of where I was. And they're asking me, hey, can you show me how to do this? Because I see it in you and I want it. And you get to do that for people. And that's now my higher power. Like being able to let people know that they can do this if, they, if they're really, really willing to do it. You have to have a really honest, honest desire though. It can't be for anything else but the goodness of your soul. Dude, Darren, you're just, you're nailing it. And I'm telling you right now, if you're getting me all weepy face, I can only imagine what your words, what you're sharing your experience is going to do for so many others that get the ability to listen to you. Yeah. I'm so grateful for you. Thank you for your time. And I, there's one more question that you have to answer. It's going to be a hard one because I don't know if you can answer it with just one word, but if you could sum up the gifts of sobriety and what they've done for you in your life with one word, what would that word be? Grace. 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 Oh, Darren. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Michael. I, I look at what you guys are doing and I, if I can say this one thing, I see a lot of wonderful people in recovery who are doing amazing things, but there's an energy you, you give and you just give it to everybody. It, it's like, it's just this eternal source within you. And it is so inspiring and it keeps me going some days because I think if, if Michael can, can keep that energy going, then I absolutely can. There, there's an inner like well somewhere that I can dig into because it is, it, it, it's life giving. And uh, you inspire me and I appreciate you. Darren, thanks, man. I appreciate you. Oh, shit, man. <laughs> I love you. Darren, if there was any uh, way for anybody to get a hold of you or for people to reach out to you, 
can you let our listeners know how they can find the amazing Darren Valdez? <laughs> yeah, so I, we, um, after being in training for a little while, I, I, uh, I realized that there needs to be a community for creative people in recovery. So I took a leap of faith and I started this nonprofit called Colorado Artists in Recovery. And you can find us at coloradoartistsinrecovery.org. We offer free art, music, and meditation workshops for people in recovery. Um, we try to help you tap into that creative part of yourself that you thought you had to let go of. It turns out that it's actually the key to your victory. It's the key to your path. So we help people discover that part of themselves and we nourish that in a really safe environment. So you can reach us through that website. We have a whole bunch of workshops that you can attend for free. We are more about community than learning a new way of doing art or anything. We're, we're about creating a community to people to lift each other up. And we would love for you to be part of that. There you have it, you guys, Darren Valdez. And if you want more of what he has, check him out with Colorado Artisan Recovery. And there you have it, you guys, another brilliant, amazing episode of Monday State of Mind, sharing about the gifts of sobriety and how they can elevate your state of mind, your state of being to work for you and not against you. I want to go ahead and end this episode by reminding you, if you or someone you know is struggling with addiction, please call the Harmony Foundation at 866-686-7867. Recovery is a journey and Harmony gives you the map. All right, you guys, we'll see you next week.